Arizona Sports. The home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Wolf and Luke talk Suns Clippers now. Well, obviously, game two tonight, quite the matchup between Kevin Durant and Kawhi Leonard, among other matchups in this one. Joining us to talk about this series is ESPN NBA insider Brian Windhorst joining us on the Arizona Sports Line right now. Brian, thank you for the time. How are you doing today? I'm well, thanks a lot. Yeah, Brian, thank you so much, buddy. i got to ask you this. You're a national guy. What is your go-to place when you come to Phoenix, Arizona? What is the place you love to go to dinner at? Michael Wilbon's house. <laughs> <laughs> so you go hang out at Michael Wilbon's, okay. Like, yeah, no, there's a number of places in Scottsdale that I like to go. Um, but, you know, the thing about it is um, uh, I, you know, we, ESPN works me so hard. I don't, I mean, with, I don't have, I don't have time for like these uh, huge giant dinners. I, I, I wish I did, but um, there's a lot of, uh, Terrific. Uh, I've actually discovered some great brunch places, none of which I can actually remember their name, um, but have been but have been sent some great places. Um, I spent a lot of time here with my family. My family uh, loves coming to Arizona in the winter. Boy, that's a surprise. So um, last time I was in town for a Durant game that didn't happen because he sprained his ankle in warm-ups, <laughs> I um, made it up to Goodyear to watch a Guardians game. So um, uh, I like to also play golf when I can, although never during the playoffs. So I spend a lot of time playing golf golf and going to stuff like that as opposed to finding, you know, restaurants. Well, we're all going to Michael Wilbon's house for dinner if the Suns win the uh, the title this year. Um, there's a story by Brian Winhorst up on ESPN today. It's the lead story. Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, and the superstar NBA playoff battle we thought would never come. And, you know, I read this earlier today, Brian. It, it's it's obviously it's a great story. It talks about a great matchup that you're right. We just never seem to see. Can you kind of go a little bit deeper into that for people that haven't read it yet? Well, listen, man. I know that game one is not going to have a great memory for Suns fans. So uh, I'm not expecting Suns fans to engage with that. But start of the fourth quarter, it's a tie game. And Kawhi is on KD and KD is guarding Kawhi. And they went back and forth at each other. Um, uh, Kawhi got a three-point play, getting drawing the foul on Durant. Durant went down, hit a shot. I believe it was a three-pointer over the, right over the top of Kawhi's hand. In fact, he hit two shots on Kawhi uh, in the fourth quarter. Not many shots that he hit, but he hit two. And then Kawhi came right back down and got to his spot and hit one of his patented 17-footers over Durant. Um, Torrey Craig ended up covering him most of the rest of the way. But, but just the idea that those two guys could go head-to-head like that at the end of a game, like I think we're going to see it more. I think this series, I don't know if it'll be defined by it, but it could, you know, that could really come down to it. And these are two guys who just have not played against each other much, you know. Um, and again, I, I'm not saying a Suns fan would even care about these matchups, but in 2017, you know, the, the Warriors and the Spurs both had 60-win teams. It was all year long. We talked about a battle royale in the conference finals. Kawhi sprained his ankle in game one. Zaza Pachulia never materialized, never plays. You know, a few years ago, Raptors uh, Warriors finals uh, again match up again, and then obviously Durant Torres Achilles. They've only played one time until the other night. They'd only played each other one time since the 2019 finals. Wow! Um, a regular season game during the COVID season where there weren't any fans. I don't think around. So, like, just the idea of them going back and forth at each other is really 
super interesting from the from the basketball fan standpoint. I'm sure the Suns fans don't care whether it happens one more time as long as they can win, but it was fascinating to watch. Brian, what do you think the national perspective is on the Phoenix Suns? How do they view the Suns? When I get talked to the, when I get asked about the Suns, which I spend a lot of time here, I mean, I had to file taxes in Arizona last week for my uh, <laughs> for last year because whatever the threshold is, I hit it from being here, uh, and I guess a good chance I might have to do it again in twenty three. Um, I I keep getting asked getting asked like on national shows like, is this a championship or bust this year for the Suns? And I just don't believe that it is. Uh, I believe there's a window with Durant and Booker. Uh, I also believe that this is just not going to be their best team because their, um, their bench has just been hollowed out a little bit and it's going to take, you know, um, a transaction cycle or two to have James Jones figure out a way to kind of rebuild it back up. Now the new CBA really potentially could hit the Suns hard. You know, the irony of all these years where the Suns were considered, you know, paupers and not spenders, now they're spenders, but there's new rules in, and the Suns could be collateral damage because there's a whole bunch of new rules that have the Warriors and Clippers, and, you know, to a lesser extent, sort of like the Celtics, but the Warriors and Clippers are being hammered away with new rules that really punishes your team uh, in your ability to make trades and add players when you're a big spender. And the Suns are going to be big spenders, you know, I, for the foreseeable future here. So that's going to be a challenge. But, you know, I don't believe this is championship or bust. I mean, they've got a really good team. they got a shot at it, no doubt. But um, I think, you know, they're still learning a lot about each other as Sunday night showed. Talking to Brian Windhorst, uh, Brian, Russell Westbrook didn't have a great game one, but then all of a sudden he did have a great game one. And we played the clip yesterday of you saying that was one of the stranger playoff performances you've seen. Uh, what you saw from him in game one, do you think that is something we're going to have to deal with multiple times in this series? Well, you want him to keep shooting. Uh, you want him to shoot. I, I kind of feel like for every good thing that he did, he did two bad things. <laughs> Um, but that's a little bit simplistic. That's not really fair to him to say that um, because the, the Clippers had a defensive scheme that really caught the Suns off guard. That really shouldn't be a surprise. Tyron Liu is, um, you know, some people call him the Belichick of the NBA because he always has these wrinkles and schemes and tricks, and they deployed some maneuvers on the Suns that definitely contributed to them starting flat. And some of it I do think was them not having played for a while, but some of it was he threw some stuff out there. Like I remember in Cleveland uh, one year he said he had a secret defense uh, the Cavs ranked 29th in, in defense during the regular season. He said, don't worry, I've got a secret defense. <laughs> and the Cavs ended up in the finals. Now, they ended up in the finals because LeBron, but he has these things. And so he put some lineups out there. And one of the things that he did was he really deployed Westbrook as like a bit of a, like a, a weak side pass rusher. Mm. He would sort of chase Durant down after Durant would get the ball and a couple of times like poke the ball out of his hand. 
And there's just not that many people who are that strong and fast and agile. And Westbrook is one of them. So when the Clippers say that that they don't care about Westbrook going three for 19 because he plays so hard and makes other things happen on defense, I don't think that's 100% true because I think that many of his misses led directly to Sun's points the other way. But I do think that there's some truth that you really kind of should ignore what Westbrook does shooting the ball because he is a, a weapon defensively. And the Suns are going to have to alter a few things in this game. And part of it is to deal with some of the stuff that Westbrook did on defense in game one. On that note right there, Brian, um, what do you think is going to be the fulcrum to tonight's game? What will be the tipping point? Well, first off, I expect the Suns to come out with a lot more aggression than they did. That's, mm-hmm. that's basic analysis. Uh, the team loses at home. They come out more. And obviously, you're going to see, I think, KD. KD let the game come to him a little bit on uh, on Sunday. Uh, that's not unheard of, especially when he's just still feeling this team out. I do not think that you will see that happen in this game. The other thing is the Suns seem to be very comfortable with running – Durant sort of is like the weak side option where they just would just have him stand on the corner or the wing and let Chris Paul be the ball handler or Devin Booker be the ball handler, get a screen and let the ball kind of flow out to Durant as opposed to making him the primary focus of a play. Well, that's, fine because that sort of style was successful in the eight games that he when he played because the teams were forced to collapse. Well, what happened was the Clippers were like, no, man, when Durant is out there on the wing, we're going to have Kawhi Leonard stand on his toes, not leave him, and be in between him and the ball at all times. And that's why the ball kept going to DeAndre Ayton, because Chris Paul would come off of the screen, and he'd look over to Durant or Booker, and those guys were were sealed off. And so he basically had to take the shot himself or go to DeAndre or Torrey Craig. And that's how you end up with Torrey Craig and DeAndre Ayton having more shots than Kevin Durant. So, I mean, I don't know exactly what the Suns are going to do, but my guess would be that they would change up their strategy and have more plays where Durant directly got the ball and then went to work that way as opposed to just sort of waiting for it to be delivered after the the, uh, defense collapsed. Mm -hmm. Brian, before we let you go, the the Suns have gotten caught up in officiating at times this year. That wasn't the case in Game 1, but Scott Foster is officiating the game tonight, so do you see that in any way impacting how this game is played? I mean, it it absolutely shouldn't. Um, I mean, I know that you can certainly find a highlight package where Chris and Scott have gotten into each other. But, like, Kevin Durant has won. I think I looked at the stats. I think Durant is 16-9 and with Scott Foster as his playoff uh, referee. (laughs) You know, it's not like – I mean, mean, it's just – it's a – it's a. I understand why it's interesting, and it's just a delicious topic. And, you know, Scott – uh, definitely has moments where he can be a little um, maybe more in the spotlight than you'd like an official to be. But um, it's very, very reductive. Um, that's not how playoff games are decided. Uh, and so it, it's interesting, and there'll be some, some certainly some potential paid on. It's a great topic for you guys between now and the start of the game, but this will not be decided by the officiating. There's a lot of stuff that happened out there. There's a lot of maneuvers going back and forth. Monty is under way more uh, pressure to deliver than Scott Foster tonight. Yeah, Brian, thank you so much, Thanks, Brian. man. I, I don't know about Will Bond, but we love you. Thank you, buddy. 
Thanks, guys. Have a good day. Enjoy the game. Thanks, Brian. That's uh, Brian Windhorst right there, ESPN NBA insider, of course, joining us on the Arizona Sports Line. Score the hottest ticket in town, Suns playoff tickets. Just text ticket to 62620. Register and listen for your name today during the noon and 5 o'clock hours for your chance to qualify for Game 2 tickets. See the Suns take on the Clippers tonight. Again, that's ticket to 620-620. All right, well, you just heard Brian Windhorst say it's a pretty good topic for us, so we're going to get into it. Scott Foster in, uh, officiating the game tonight. Does that impact how the Suns approach the game tonight, especially in terms of physicality? That's next. It's Wolf and Luke in Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Wolf and Luke talk Suns Clippers now. Hi, welcome back to the show. Thanks to Brian Windhorst for joining us last segment. Good stuff there. Talking about the um, urgency to just have... Kevin Durant maybe starts some of the plays with the ball so they can't deny him the ball. Uh, that I know everybody has a different biggest takeaway from game one. Wolf, that's mine. I, I, even Kawhi Leonard, I don't think, can really defend Kevin Durant when Kevin Durant has the ball. Winhorst talked about that shot. That three he hit over Kawhi Leonard, of all people, was one of the best defenders in the league. But we also saw that the uh, Clippers were able to just prevent him from getting the ball enough in the uh, in the fourth quarter. So we'll see how that plays out tonight. But we also, as uh, we were going to break there, asked Brian Winhorst about the news that a lot of Suns fans have zeroed in on today, that Scott Foster is officiating this game tonight. And we have a story up on ArizonaSports.com saying uh, it points out that Paul has a 13-game losing streak <laughs> dating back a decade yeah, with Scott Foster officiating games, and he's two and seventeen overall in his playoff career when Scott Foster officiates a game. I don't think this is a big story, other than if things go sideways <laughs> in the game and the Suns lose their composure, because you, you are kind of going in with this as the atmosphere, right? Yeah, I know. It's just, oh man. You know, context, you know me. I'm so big on context. I really am. It is the spice of life, so to speak. Anything you're going to do happens within the context of what you're doing it in. And that's why tonight is just fascinating to me. Absolutely fascinating. Because this is going to be what I think is a slugfest. I think you're going to see that tonight, a bloody-knuckle game in the NBA. I think Game 1 was physical. I think Game 2 will be even more physical. And how this game is going to be officiated, how this game is going to be refereed, this matters tonight. This will be one of the big X factors of tonight's game, how this game is going to be refereed. And Scott Foster is right in the middle of well, it. Well, and you talk about context. I mean, let's just play this out for a second. On the one hand, is it is some of it a coincidence or should it not affect the Suns? Yeah, okay, probably. But those are pretty bad numbers, and, and that's been a story people have been bringing up for years now. Um, the side note, Scott Foster did officiate Game 2 of the Western Conference Finals against the Clippers two years ago. Suns won that game. Yeah, Chris Paul wasn't playing. <laughs> So oh Chris Paul's goodness, not that playing. Is, that is so well done they on your part. Just fine, but uh, where I think it but is, you're saying two of two and seventeen in, in the playoffs. <laughs> in the playoffs, yeah. Oh man, where I think this this <laughs> where context comes into play and where this this could be an issue tonight is again it's it's something that that has been a problem for the Suns this season where 
either they shoot a huge, uh, there's a discrepancy in how many free throws they shoot compared to the opposition. It, that in itself is an issue, or or the bigger issue I would say in a playoff game would be them losing their composure over it. And you're you're going to play this game tonight in an arena full of Suns fans that already expect Scott Foster to screw them over. Yeah. So that's the environment that this game's going to start with. So if there's a couple bad calls that go against the Suns in the second quarter, there I would think you always say these are guys are humans, right? Yes. They're not robots. Yeah. There, there's a lot more likelihood that guys are going to start to be like, here we go again. Scott Foster's going to screw us out of this game. We're going to be down 0-2, and then they're going to. I just that's what I don't want to happen. Yeah. The only thing you want from the referees tonight, of course, is that they're consistent in how they officiate this game. They are consistent in how they do this. This is the only thing that matters to me. It, it's the same in the game of football as well. Okay, you're going you're gonna to call a lot of ticky-tack stuff. That's what you're going to do? Okay, just please be consistent. Be consistent, and not just with us, but be consistent on both sides of the ball, period. That it's so important, and I think that tonight is so important as well. Be consistent, set the tone, and that's what every every official, every referee, everybody has got to do. You're going to come in and you're going to referee some of these games. You're going to officiate some of these games, Basinonians. The only thing that a player can ask of a human being who does that is that they are consistent in how they call the game. You do that, and we're, we're going to be good. That's totally a reasonable request, and, and 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 that's what should happen. But the problem is now you're down 0-1 in the series, and how many times this season was it a talking point of, boy, you know, hopefully the Suns don't get bitten by officiating at some point in the playoffs. And again, for me, that when I say bitten by officiating, I don't mean, oh, the refs are out to get the Suns. I mean the feeling from the Suns that the refs are out to get the Suns. You know what I mean? And, yes. and that, that sort of getting into your mind in the third quarter of a playoff game in a series where you're already down 1-0. This just isn't great timing for Scott Foster to show up. <laughs> there ever is a great time for Scott Foster to show up. But this, this really doesn't feel like that time. See, you know what, though? I love what you just said, Luke, because honestly it does. It comes down to the minds inside those human beings for the Phoenix Suns. And what's going to happen tonight? And and the fact that, yeah, okay, we all understand the Suns have had a a few run-ins, shall we say, with some officials and referees in the NBA. And Scott Foster is here. But you know what? Honestly, you gotta you got to be bad. And when I say bad, I mean that in a good way. you gotta, you got to be so tough, bad tough tonight that you'll walk through anything that happens like that. And it starts with each player individually inside that locker room, man. And you need guys who are ready to model that and say, hey, listen, we're not going to let this get to us tonight. We're not going to let it happen. Don't you. It's going to start with me. Don't you let it happen. Well, or you. Or you. You can't let it happen. That's that's Durant. I mean, that's the first person I think of who's going to model this. Brian Windhorst, who was just on with us last segment, we we talked to him about this whole situation. I mean, it, it absolutely shouldn't. Um, I mean, I know that you can certainly find a highlight package where Chris and Scott have gotten into each other. But, like, Kevin Durant has won. I think I looked at the stats. I think Durant is 16-9 and nine with Scott Foster as his playoff uh, referee. <laughs> you know, it's not like... You 
I mean, I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a, I understand why it's interesting and it's just a delicious topic. Right. And, you know, Scott uh, definitely has moments where he can be a little, um, maybe more in the spotlight than you'd like an official to be. But, um, it's very, very reductive. Um, that's not how playoff games are decided. What you don't want to see tonight, Wolf, or at least what I don't want to see, is there's all this talk about D.A. All right, D.A., be more physical. You can't be allowing the other team to get five. You can't allow Russell Westbrook to get five offensive rebounds. You can't get out offensive rebounded in a game as a team 15-6. to six. Like, D.A., you got to be more physical. you got to be more physical. And he goes out there and is more physical, and Scott Foster gives him one or two kind of shaky fouls, and then yeah. he just kind of looks around like, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. That's that's what can't happen tonight. Yeah, I would say, D.A., you got to move your feet. <laughs> move your feet. Forget about that. Just go ahead and move your feet. Like, when the ball goes up, go towards the rim. That's a great, that'd be a great thing to do. The ball goes up and you're standing in the paint. Don't Don't just look at it. Move your feet. Go toward it. Try to actually get position. That takes cardio now. Takes a little bit of cardio. Yeah, when the ball's in the air, but that's your chance to really make your money. I'm just, the ball's yeah, in the air. I know. I'm just saying, so I'm hoping that's going to happen. It, I just want to say quickly, the one thing he did mention, the fact that um, you had Kevin Durant, 16 and 9. <laughs> okay, 16 and 9 when Scott Foster. That's a much better record. See, it's so much better. Is that going to cancel out Chris Paul? <laughs> Interesting. If they played, we'll see. They, if you if you're playing in the Scott Foster Basketball League, Kevin Durant way ahead of Chris Paul in the standings right now with the 16 and nine record. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at six twenty six twenty right now. When we come back, another big part that was missing in Game One. Who needs to step up off the bench for the Suns tonight? We'll discuss the adjustments Monty Williams will have to make next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports. The home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Wolf and Luke talk Suns Clippers. Now. Suns Clippers game two tonight. Footprint Center. Seven o'clock tip. Wolf, you're going. Yeah. I'm going. Yeah, you're going as well. The show is going. We could record tomorrow's show tonight at the arena. Or not. No, we won't. We can just sit there and kind of enjoy the game and That's, take some notes, of course. Yeah, the occasional note. Hopefully hopefully it's an enjoyable game. Uh, I want to play this cut for you from Tory Craig from yesterday. And he was asked, you know, how different is it if you're starting as opposed to coming off the bench? Nothing really changed for me. The same mindset for every game. Just coming in, trying to figure out ways I can contribute. Um, be as solid as I can, stick to the game plan, and try to get on Man, I love that. I love that answer, and I know that's not going to shock you. No, that's a very Tory Craig answer. That's a very Tory Craig. That's a very Craig. Wolf answer. That is a professional answer right there. That's what it is. This is what I do. I get paid to do this. I get handsomely paid to do this. I am going to approach every game exactly like the game before and exactly like the game that I'm going to play. I, it just, it's the only mindset that you can possibly have as a pro, in my opinion, and it should be that. Every game, the exact same way. Now, does it happen all the time like that, where you feel as prepared every game? No, it doesn't. You know why? Because you're a human being. Uh, you know, I guess I guess on some level, people expect that, that starting 
Craig over a Kogi changes not how Craig prepares, but how the Suns play basketball. I mean, I, I, I get that. I just that's not what stood out to me in the first game. You know, Craig starting over a Kogi was was a, a twist and not necessarily something I expected. But we also, I mean, we've been talking for two months about how it's probably going to be matchups for that fifth starter, and and Craig and a Kogi are going to be at the top of Monty's list. I don't think that that's like why they lost the game. Tory Craig had 22 points. Yeah. Where I was confused was not that they started Craig. It was that Akogi only played seven minutes. Yes. And that's, that's the guy that I'm really watching tonight is, do they just, did they decide going into the series? Hey, Josh, you've been, you've been really good for us and done most of what we've asked you to do over the last couple months, but we're not sure you can do it against the Clippers. So you're not going to play much because I read you his stats the last two games this season for the Suns against the Clippers yes. and they were really good both times. Really good. So I'm not saying they would be really good again, but I'm saying they were good enough where you would think he'd play more than seven minutes. Yeah, you just, I did not understand that as well. You and I were talking about that, of course, yesterday an awful lot. Just the fact you just did not see that coming. It's not the fact that he didn't start to your point. I'm with you on that. It's just the seven minutes. You got to be kidding me. And this is, this is a Josh Okoge series. Yeah, that's what I'm going to say. In terms of the bench and the rotation, this is a series that I think this guy, I was talking about it yesterday, swimming in this sea, you can use whatever metaphor you want. It's a warm blanket around him, right, in in a cold winter's night. He loves the physicality. You can see it. You watch him go about his business and how Josh Akogi plays. He embraces physicality. And, man, tonight, I think game one, game one was physical. Tonight is going to be a brawl, metaphorically, but a brawl nonetheless. And I want Josh Akogi to get more minutes, be given the opportunity to get more minutes. Not, we'll not, see. not the sort of brawl where you see Draymond Green stomping on a player's chest in the middle of the game. Not Boy, that. That, how about that game? Yeah. Yeah, that was, did you believe it? I mean, the, once again, all I think of is the officiating in that game. The, the referees let the guys go out and play. They let them play. Well, that's what happens when, when Draymond is Green's that on the going court. To be, is that going to be what happens tonight? For a Kogi... And I'm not saying that he's like the key that unlocks everything in the series, but if you're looking for somebody to give you a Russell Westbrook-like performance, you know, somebody that, not to say Josh Okogie doesn't do anything else, but somebody you're not counting on, like Kevin Durant or Devin Booker or Chris Paul, where if he does get a couple fouls, you don't love it. But if Josh Okogie fouls out of the game, but he got his money's worth, you're fine with that, right? Whereas if Kevin Durant fouls out of the game, you're probably going to lose the game. So if you're looking for a player that can sort of mimic what Russell Westbrook did to the Suns for the Suns tonight, that would be, I would think, Josh Okogie. Here's the numbers again from his last two games against the Clippers, Wolf. And I'm not saying that you look at these numbers and say he has to play. I'm just saying there's no way you could look at these numbers and say he shouldn't play. Because... The season finale, again, kind of, you know, the rosters were, were a little bit messed up there, but 13 points, seven boards, three assists, two steals. The game previous to that on February 16th for Kogi, 24 points, five rebounds, one assist, <laughs> three steals. So yeah. that's the last two meetings with the Clippers. And for a guy that has been so useful to you this season, he seems to, I agree with you, he seems to fit what you might need now. And and I don't think he only played seven minutes because they were like upset with him. They just played too many guys in that game on, on uh, Sunday. You can't, 
You can't play 11 yeah, guys in a playoff right. game. No, I'm with you on that. Um, it was perplexing. There's no doubt about that. I think Torrey Craig, too. I think whether he starts or you bring him off the bench, Torrey Craig needs to be consistent. He needs to be consistent and continue to play consistently. And even he said, I love the fact that he actually pointed to that, to go out there and just bring a steady, professional approach to the floor. And that's the one thing that I want to continue to see from Torrey Craig, both on the defensive end of the floor, of course, and the offensive end. I want to see him be more consistent. I think Terrence Ross, there's another guy. It's going to be interesting to see if he gets an opportunity. Yeah, and I, and I think you, know, you just rattled off a couple guys like Terrence Ross. Monty's talking about they need to take more threes, and I don't think you bring in Terrence Ross to take eight threes. I understand that, but if you're looking for threes off the bench, that's a pretty good place to get them from, and he played four minutes the other night. So, again, I don't think Monty Williams was mad at Terrence Ross. They just played too many guys. He talked about why they used ten different guys in the first half alone yesterday. Yeah, searching, uh, foul trouble, like all of those things. Uh, But for the most part, just looking for a lineup and a combination that was going to give us a bit more juice. And we didn't start the game with our type of juice, and I think the whole team felt it. And so you're looking for guys that will go out there and give you a little bit of juice while you spell the starters and then get those guys back in the game. When you're the better team, you don't want it to come down to the last shot or you don't want your whole season to come down to one game where there's a misstep or whatever. you know. And that that's why the best of seven benefits you so you don't want to see the Suns in a position where they're trying to feel things out each game and trying to find the right lineup for two or three games, and all of a sudden it's like, hey, this series is almost over. So when you heard searching, did that bother yeah, you? Yeah, I don't all? like I don't like searching <laughs> in the playoffs. <laughs> you know, the, once again, though, it 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 points to the eight games you had with Kevin Durant, and you know, it's not Kevin Durant. It's just like we were saying, you don't worry about KD. KD's going to be fine. It's everybody else around him kind of fitting in and learning what the rotation is going to be. You would hope you'd have it set for the most part going into the postseason. But here, I'm going to throw a couple. not the case for the Suns. A couple names at you real quick if you think they're going to play or not. Campaign's questionable. So if he's good to go, you think we see him much? No. Uh, Damian Lee? I'm just reading off guys that didn't play last game on top of the 11 that did. TJ Warren? Maybe. I heard Vince even throw out Darius Baisley's name uh, yesterday. No. Who knows how crazy this could get. But So those that's four guys on top of the 11 that did play. So they're going to have to... They're going to have to ideally have a couple guys come out of the gate firing tonight and just be like, all right, these guys are playing tonight, and we'll we'll go with nine players or whatever. Uh, all right, score the hottest ticket in town, Suns playoff tickets. Just text ticket to 620-620. Register and listen for your name today during the noon, which is coming up soon, and 5 o'clock hours for your chance to qualify for Game 2 tickets to see the Suns take on the Clippers tonight. That's ticket to 620-620. Uh, the Western Conference, if you haven't been paying too close of attention to stuff outside the Suns, is suddenly pretty wide open. In fact, you can make a case these playoffs are more wide open than they've been in a while. We'll explain next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Wolf and Luke talk Suns Clippers now. Yeah, we didn't get much into it yesterday. 
just because we were you know, reacting to what the Suns did in game one of their series. But uh, the playoff picture, specifically in the Western Conference, but but maybe even big picture, depending on how hurt Giannis is, Wolf, is... Uh, it's gotten off to kind of a unique start. Usually the NBA is, is the league where things go mostly chalk, but that has not been the case so far. You've got uh, you've got Memphis down to the Lakers already, and John Morant is, what, questionable at best for the next game? Yes. You've got, over in the East real quick, you've got the Bucks down 1-0 and Giannis was hurt. And you've also got Golden State down 2-0, and uh, nobody's hurt. They just can't beat Sacramento, so I think we should start there. Sacramento, the team that's supposed to be a lot of fun, <laughs> but you don't know how far they're going to go. Well, they've been hanging around, and now they're up 2-0 on Golden State, and De'Aaron Fox is looking real good. It's just incredible. It really is, because as we've been talking about all season long, it's Sacramento. <laughs> You've got to be kidding. Okay, when did the when did the wheels fall off this bus, ladies and gentlemen? Not yet. Uh, how about this? They've got the Warriors down 2 nothing right now, the Kings, and Steph Curry has never been down 2-0 in a playoff series. Steph Curry has never been down 2-0 in a playoff series, ever. <laughs> I mean, that's why that game, when you're talking about games that, okay, they're all important, Wolf, I understand that. Yes, I do. Especially this time of year. But there are games that are important, and then there are games that are really important. And I think tonight for the Suns, that's one of those games that's really important. They win this game tonight, and and I think you could say that last night about the Kings once again, and I think they sensed it. I think they did playing at home. We've got an opportunity to metaphorically stick the dagger into the back on Steph Curry. And again, I'm saying this metaphorically, of course, by beating the Golden State Warriors and beating Steph. He's never been down 2-0 in a Well, and Golden State, again, can't win road games, which is something I thought would go away in the playoffs. They were really bad on the road all season. They finished 11-30, and but at one point they were 9-30 and on the road. That, that's, that's a road record of a team that's in the lottery, not the defending uh, yeah. champs. Now, that said, it's the Warriors. They could easily go back home, win two games, split this, and make this a back-and-forth. Both the first two games have been back-and-forth, and if this somehow gets to yes. a game seven, could they win one uh, road game in Sacramento? Yeah, they absolutely could. Not a lot of travel in that series. What are those? <laughs> those two arenas are, what, like 100 miles apart, 150 miles probably? Um, by the way, De'Aaron Fox, I, I, I don't know why I do this to myself, but he was the fifth pick in the 2017 draft. You know who the Suns took ahead of De'Aaron Fox that year? Yeah. Josh Jackson. Thank you. Okay, good. I'm going to go ahead and say What's De'Aaron Fox is a better player than Josh Jackson. Yeah. I'm Man, also going to say over the game too. Donovan Mitchell, the 13th pick in that draft, might be better than Josh Jackson. Yeah. Uh, yeah, De'Aaron Fox, has he's been super clutch for a guy that hadn't been in the playoffs until a couple of days ago, ever, in his career. He made shot after shot, some big shots down the stretch in the clutch, and... It was really cool because he did take over that fourth quarter, but nobody had more clutch points this season than De'Aaron Fox. Nobody. So you think of the Kings, and you think of Sacramento, and you think of how well they played as a team, and how they continued to surprise so many people, and yet De'Aaron Fox was indeed the tip of the spear. He was the guy that was winning an awful lot of games. Nobody had more clutch points than De'Aaron Fox, winning it down the stretch. Man, that says so much about a dude, doesn't it? 
says yeah. so much about a guy that you can do it when it matters the most. Also taken after Josh Jackson in the draft, uh, Bam Adebayo, John Collins, OG Ananobi, Jared Allen. Should I stop? <laughs> we at a point now. Look, it doesn't matter. Josh Jackson's not on the Suns, and they're a good team now. But, man, that was... There's a reason why that was the uh, the dark ages of Phoenix Suns basketball when you're taking Josh Jackson over those guys. Um, there was also a stomp in that game last oh, night. Man. Draymond Green stomping on Demontis Sabonis. So let's. Uh, I got a lot of different reactions to the stomp. Let's start with the guy who got stomped. I feel like that's that's a fair place to start. Here's Sabonis after the game. Uh, you know, I love the competition. I love the playoffs. You know, the challenge I'm taking on the Warriors. Um, yeah. I got hit earlier in the, in, in the game in the jaw there. So when I fell, you know, I was kind of protecting myself. And then obviously they didn't say it happened. And I feel like um, there's no there's no room for that in our game today. Mm-hmm. Feels like when the Warriors, the years they get eliminated, Draymond has a meltdown at some point. Yeah. You know what, though? Honestly, right now, this this is what I'm talking about. You've got to embrace the physicality. And listening to Sabonis right there, he's embracing that physicality. I, you know, this is what you do. This is this is what you're gonna do. He he grabbed Draymond's leg. He did. He did. He I just watched the it. replay again. He absolutely did. He grabbed it, but um, it wasn't like he was cranking on it. No. And <laughs> it wasn't Draymond Mac Jones Green. trying to hurt a defensive lineman's <laughs> ankle? No. Yeah, and Draymond stomped on him. There's no doubt about it. And these two guys, they have a history together. What I like is the fact that Sabonis isn't trying to run away from it. He isn't trying to tamp it down in any way, shape, or form. He's embracing it and just saying, this is the way that it is. And this is how I'm going to be, period. This is what the Suns need to do. This is, this is what DeAndre Ayton needs to do. You need to embrace the physicality. You need to prepare for it. See, this is I, I I I I I say this so much to my son, Vetter James, ladies and gentlemen, a young man who's trying to make his way. I, I go and I talk to kids all the time in regard to how they need to prepare their mind for whatever it is you're going to do. You need to prepare your mind well in advance for when you're actually gonna do whatever task it is you're gonna try to get done. You've gotta prepare your mind to do it. Embrace it. Understand how difficult it's going to be. So it doesn't surprise you when you get out there on the floor. Wow, these guys are really being physical now. You you don't want to be surprised by that. You need to prepare for that. And as I listen to Demonis Abonis, to me, he's already prepared for it, expects it, and knows that he's going to have to do it again. Game after game after game. All right, let's get some more of these. Here's Draymond Green talking about why he did stomp on Demonis Sabonis. My leg got grabbed second time in two nights. Referees just watch it. I got to land my foot somewhere. And I'm not the most flexible person, so it's not stretching that far. So you didn't really see where you were stepping? You just I, I can only step so far. I'm pulling my leg away, so... It is what it is. So the, the lesson learned is if you grab Draymond Green's leg twice in two games, yeah. you will get stomped in the chest. Right. And you got ejected. And you knew you should have been ejected. And he walked out of there See, like a wrestler uh, getting tossed out of a WWE match. You know, you know that I love Draymond Green and how he competes. I love the way that he competes when he's actually competing. 
It's everything else around it I cannot tolerate. Can't stand it. Drives me crazy. Forget about the show. Nobody's here to see you be a clown. Forget about that stuff. Applauding and laughing, mocking players, mocking fans. Forget about it, man. Drives me nuts. Uh, Here's Steph's reaction. I didn't didn't see it happen live. I got a rebound. I was headed down the other way. Um, I know he grabbed his foot, and I don't know what you're supposed to do in that situation. He obviously finished the rest of the game, so I know he's a tough guy, but I'm sure he's going to be all right. But it's just a matter of, you know, we after that, we, we tied the game with whatever was five minutes left, three, four minutes left. So we, we still responded. Um, you'd love to have Draymond out there, obviously, to finish a game just because of what he, what he does for us. But yeah, I didn't think it was anything other than what they what they said it was, and hopefully move on to Game Three. It does feel like when Draymond has these moments in a playoff series, it, it tends to swing things. At least it has in the past. I'm thinking back to the finals the year they had Cleveland beat. He kicked LeBron, and then Cleveland came all the way back and won the series. Um, wow, Draymond's had wow. a few of these. But, that is going back. But but I I wonder. I mean. It, I'll just say this. Golden State's down 2-0, and it doesn't look great, and Steph looks sounds miserable there answering questions about Draymond Green, and they're down. If there's a team that could come back from down 2-0 in these playoffs, yeah. I mean, this is the team. They yep. could easily tie it right back up and, and make this a best of three going into Game 5. Yeah, and, you know, once again, I, I enjoy Draymond Green and watching him compete. I absolutely love the physicality that it brings to the floor and the intelligence Oh, man, the, the intellect that he brings to the floor as well. I love watching him play. It's all the extracurricular activity drives me nuts. Coming up next, we'll take you through the top stories of the day with Wolf and Down Your Lunch. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.